Paul Alcoholic, um, very happy to be here. Um, I'll just, uh, you can't hear me? Uh, where's the mic? All right, hold on. Do karaoke stuff. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Is it on? No. How do you turn it on? Here it is, I think. Hello? No? We don't know how to do it, turn it on. take five minutes of silence. <laughs> All right, so I'll get, I'm, uh, I got sober in 1988 in San Francisco. Um, just to qualify a little, I, um, I sort of got struck sober. I didn't get sober in AA, but I stayed sober in AA. Uh, I ended up uh, March 17, 1988. I went out on St. Patrick's Day not saying I didn't go out March 16th, March 15th, March 14th, but it was one of those little signposts because something's changed, yeah. Because most of us live on a bottom, and then the, the one day we get lifted up, we call it the bottom, because we get the opposite of it happening, and then that becomes the bottom. But for me, it was years of living like a bottom feeder. So I, was, uh, I had just gotten 1985, uh, you know, because the type of person I am, if I'm managing my own life, it leads to having to be managed by other people. So I was going into a lot of jails and a lot of programs. I had been in one in the Bronx, New York, for three months when I was younger. And, uh, and this one, in 1985, I entered a program in San Francisco called Delancey Street. Uh, it was a live-in place. Um, all I wanted, I really, all I was looking for was a place to stay that night. They took me into a little room and interviewed me, and they said, do you want a place to stay tonight? And I said, yes, and they said, you have to make a two-year commitment. So I, uh, I had no intention of staying, but I stayed for two years, and uh, Delancey Street was a big enough buffer between and me, me and me, and I stayed sober. There was no sobriety in a sense, but I didn't drink or use. So in 1987, I left Delancey Street. I graduated with flying colors. And they had told me that period of being Dr. Jekyll, though rather long, was over, and I was going to be uh, Mr. Hyde. No, I was going to be Dr. Jekyll, the period of being Mr. Hyde, yes. And I, had a, I was hoping they were right. You know, I had gone to college, a lot of good things were going on. But I had a strange suspicion that something was off. And when I left Delancey Street, when I didn't have them watching over me every second of the day, I went out the first week, yeah, because I'm, I'm outmatched. So, and to me, I look at alcoholism almost like a parasitical movement. I don't see it as a, I see, it's almost as an infection. And so it infects, and what it infects really is we all, we're all sort of saddled with a sense of self-centeredness, yes? But most of us, if we're not drinking and using, it's like an acoustic version, yes? But if you start drinking and using, it's like an electric version. So for me, 
alcoholism amplified qualities I would have liked to see to be diminished. Yes. So if I had a little, you know, strain of jealousy and I drank, I was up on stalking charges in a few months. You know, these things would amp up. So when I got so in '85, I left. I, it left Delancey 87. I went out and I went on a 10 month run and I ended up in a trailer park in a little town north of San Francisco called Calistoga. And I came to and I was sitting in this trailer with a guy I didn't know. He had a big head, bulbous nose, varicose veins all over his face. And we were dry, drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka, a very cheap vodka over in California. And I looked at him and I said my, to myself, this guy's a bum but he was looking at me like I was a bum. And that was the moment of clarity, if people call it. For me, it was more like a, a, a portal opened, and the first result of something coming through was my head stopped, which I didn't think was possible. And then what happened was, and I believe, I like how it says in the book that it's not, it's not admitting to yourself, but conceding to your innermost self, yeah? And that's what happened that day. Something went bypassed the head and went to the innermost. And in that, there was like a CNN newsflash, just a headline, and the headline was, I'm fucked, yeah? Now, a lot of people knew I was screwed, but it was news to me at that very moment. But the beautiful thing is, I've discovered in time, I have the ability to be convinced, which is a very important point in the recovery program. It says a lot of the steps, it starts with being convinced, yeah? Now, I had no idea I could ever be convinced, but this convinced me that I'm not managerial quality. It's never come up for debate, and from that day on, I've been sober now 31 years, yeah? And I've never had a strong feeling or a thought about getting yield loaded. So, in a sense, the problem doesn't exist for me a day at a time, which is a damn good solution, really a damn good solution. So, what happened is I entered AA in San Francisco, some friend, people I know are here, and, uh, I had the gift of gab in a sense, I can articulate stuff, and so somebody decided I would be good to lead a fourth step workshop in my 30 year sobriety at this place called the Dry Dock, and so I did that for like 16 years, basically, and uh, <laughs> my view of the fourth step changed because we changed. This is a living book, and as it says in the book, we know but a little, and people who come after us are going to add on to it. So I'm just going to present my idea, and it's not my idea, an idea that came through me about how I see the fourth step. And it all starts with the, on page 64, and we're not, everyone's done fourth steps, right? You're here. So it's not, we're not, we're not going to do an educational four column. I'm going to give you the, how I see the spirit of it, yeah? So it says in page 64, it says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, yes? So there's the statement, and that means right now. It wasn't, I was convinced, and I will be convinced, but I'm being convinced. By what? By my own observation in life, yeah? Being convinced that self, yeah? And I'm not talking about ego. I'm talking about a sense of being the doer, the thinker, the feeler, the one who's drunk, the one who's sober, yeah? I'm talking about that sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate thing, yeah? So that sense of self says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So manifested means it's appearing, yes? It's appearing in various ways, and those appearances are defeating me, or are defeating us, yes? So it says, being convinced that self, yeah? 
manifested in all these different ways is what has defeated us. So we're the us, yeah? And then there's something called self. Yeah? If it was us, it would have said, being convinced that Paul, Bill, Mary, Jim, Sue, manifested in many ways and defeated Bill, Paul, Mary, and Sue. But it doesn't say that. It says self defeated us. So this was the big revelation that happened to me. I saw self as a foreign installment, yeah? I saw it as something other than me, and then a possibility came in, which is I can be free from it. And what it showed me in a flash that I had been trying to be free as it since I've been six years old. I've been trying to get out of self as self. That's why I wore this shirt. Self can't get out of self. It's the whole dilemma, yeah? If you're identified as the problem, you can't get out of the problem. That's a big problem, yes? So this is, this is not in the big book, it's an observational, observational uh, arriving at from people who are in the program, and they realize self cannot get out of self. So basically, if I'm taking myself to be something else, and I try to get out of it as that something else, I'm more something else. Yes. So this is how I saw it. So I saw the, the inventory process, yeah? And it says here, it says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us, yes? So that's, the, that's basically the surrender point, yeah? You realize you're not managerial quality, you're outmatched, yeah? You've been trying to change how you feel every freaking day. Now you're gonna submit yourself to be changed in the program. You're not gonna direct the changing. You're gonna be changed, yeah? By just doing the steps and doing what we do here. So it says, all right, manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Defeated us, we'll now look at its, meaning selves. Read the book, its manifestations. It doesn't say we're now gonna look at your manifestations. It says its manifestations. And then the next paragraph is resentment is the number one offender. So if you follow this logic, self, one of the manifestations of self in our life is resentment, yes? So if the resentment is a manifestation of self, then why are we calling them our resentments? If Stanley was manifesting through me, and every time Stanley's manifestation came through me, I called them mine, I would be in the act of being identified as Stanley, yes? To me, that I think is the root of the problem, to tell you the truth. That's it for me. And so when I do inventory, I'm looking at how self has defeated me. Yeah? So I'm not looking at my resentments, I'm looking at resentments. I am not the cause of the resentments, I'm the expression of the resentment. Something has occupied me. Something has taken me over. That's why in the third step, if, if, if it was our life to surrender, we would only had three steps we would have finished it, the third step. We would have turned our will and life over to the care of a higher power, but we can't turn it over because it's not under our supervision. We've been taken over by alcoholism, so we do the steps four through nine to weaken the grip of the parasite, and then we have the flesh and blood behind that decision to turn one's will and life over to the care of a higher power. You have the juice, yeah? So basically, someone who's singing the praises of step three has done step four through nine. Because if not, it's just a conceptual idea. But when you, four through nine, weakens the hold of the parasite, and then you can be directed and expressed by something else. You want to call it the higher power, 
because of miracles calls it the Holy Spirit. You can call it whatever you want, but it's not the thought system. Yes? And I'm believing alcoholism talks to us as us. Really? That's the only reason why we listen to it. If you had a ticket tape that it's Stanley telling you to have a drink, you fucking wouldn't be moved to go to the 7-Eleven. But when it sounds like it's you talking, it seems like it makes a great idea. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? And what does it want to do? The thing that the parasite has its idea of surrender and it's fuck it. It wants to lead us to fuck it. It wants to bring us to a point where we just say, fuck it, and then you're apt to do almost anything, and it will give you suggestions. What to do? Oh, yeah, it'd be a good idea. Let's go have a drink or something. This is the problem, because once you drink, then, fuck, you're taking over. Yeah? Jesus Christ. And you don't think it's a takeover? There's these parasites in nature, pretty interesting. There's one called Toxo. It's in 20% of us right sitting in this room and dormant in the brain. They can wait a long time. Just like if you do a five-year prison sentence, fucking alcoholism can wait for five years. It can wait for two years. It can definitely wait out a 28-day program. That's like nothing to it. It fucking doesn't even roll over once in 28 days. It can just hide in the woods until a prime moment arises, usually where it resides, which is in the mind, and it's usually presented by the thought system, and it will lead you to the next string. And you do not have any mental defense against it because it's a mental problem. You need what we call as a spiritual, a spiritual solution. And to me, I don't believe spirituality, spirit has any malady. I don't think we're in a spiritual malady. Spirit has no malady whatsoever. It's a mental malady, yeah? We're over-obsessed with the idea of being Paul. So when I started to do the inventory this way, I look at the manifestations of self in my life, and the three common ones are resentments, fear, and acting out and in the pursuit of what you want, and we look at the sexual arena. I am not, I am not taking inventory of my resentments. I'm, the only way you're going to recognize self is by its manifestations. But if you keep calling them yours, you're going to recognize self as you. How can you be free as it? The freedom is from it. It says it in the book, please relieve us of the bondage of self. The bondage of self is a mental activity. If it was a, if it was a thing called self, you could be bound to it, like me being bound to a chair, but it's bondage of, because it's an activity. We're up the ass of fucking self, and then you have to look for a divine proctologist all the freaking time. <laughs> just to pull you out of it, but the stubbornness is to go right back up. This is, you can have fucking a stabilized relief from the bondage of self if you see the thoughts aren't yours, yeah? If you see, it doesn't mean, there's a huge difference between a resentment and my resentment. A resentment, maybe for a half hour, an hour, something goes well, you catch a nice wave, you forget it. My resentment, 50 fucking years of cultivation, fucking built a huge story about it. Yeah, you're not, it's like the golden cow. You're not gonna fucking, you're, you're, you're feeding it like organic feed all day because your whole story is based on resentment. Yeah, but if you see it as a resentment, you can be free from it. Yes, and the fear, it isn't even fear, it's mental anxiety. The mental state is living in what's not happening, and in what's not happening, anything can happen. 
your mind can come up with you are having cancer when you're p- completely fine right now. It can, and I'm telling you, if today is ruined, it's not by today. It's by last week and next week. Yeah? The mental state lives in what's not happening. <laughs> That's what it does. And you know, the beautiful thing is, in what's happening, it has... See, what's not happening, anything can happen. But in what's happening, there's only one quality it has that what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. Yeah? It is happening. You're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. What's not happening is all being thought about. Here, you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. That, to me, is the conscious contact. The conscious contact, yes, is the consciousness of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. So, this is just the way I viewed it. I've entertained it. It's stabilized. I've had a lot of lasting relief for since 20-something years when this hit me, dawned on me. And, uh, you know, you'll fucking know the problem from the solution. Yeah? The way you know the problem is relief from the problem. When you get real relief from the problem, you will know about the problem. And I'm telling you, it is not you. you may, it may have you, yeah? but you don't have it, yeah? It's like a parasite. So back to the toxo. So the toxo, in nature, there's tons of parasites and they have an incredible dilemma. Their main drive is to procreate, reproduce, yes? But the situations for them to reproduce are unbelievable. This toxo is usually found in mammals, like rats, mice, humans, and stuff like that, but it can only reproduce in the stomach of a cat. So you can't believe what an, it's like, and it can't call Uber, it can't fucking get a delivery, it's locked in, let's say my, in, in the cat, I mean in the rat or the mouse, and it's, how do I get to the cat? So what it does is it jacks into the little rat's brain and tells the rat, when you see a cat, run right up to it. And they have films of it, where there'll be four cats in uh, like noontime, and the rat just goes like with a knife and fork, just demanding the cats to eat them because as soon as the cat eats them, it eats the tox. The tox gets in there, reproduces, and comes out of the cat ass. And then there's more tox, yeah? So parasites are taking over creatures all day. You don't think alcoholism is a parasite? This parasite is so hostile, it had to come up with an incredible strategy to convince the host not to throw it off. And what it does, it convinces the host that it's the host. It convinces the host that it's the host. So no matter how much you dream for freedom, you dream for freedom as the parasite, when the the freedom is from the parasite. And that's what happened. When it hit me that night, that night it hit me, the first possibility that showed it up is I can be free from it. And then it gave me a flash of watching my whole life since about six on, and it comprised it. I've been trying to get out of self as self my whole freaking life. Yeah. And it's impossibility because I'm not self. There's a mistaken identity. I'm trying to get out of the identity as the identity. Seeing what I'm not is the freedom. Yeah. So I'm not, calling, I'm not calling resentments mine, and I'm definitely not calling fear mine, and I'm not calling freaking acting out mine. I'm driven just like you're driven. I haven't been in jail except to visit people for 31 years, and when I was out there, I was in jail every week. What happened? 
At that time, the greater power was the parasite. And there's a great statement in the book where it says right before the third step, and to me it's the, it's the, the unspoken step of AA, which is, and if you see AA as a linear process, one through 12, then first would be more important than next, yes? And here it says first, you gotta quit playing God, yeah? It doesn't work. And then next in this drama of life, then the third step principle is, why do they put the, that one first? Because if that which is playing God is being identified as you, yes? And when you hear this, I gotta quit playing God, what happens when that which is playing God tries to quit playing God? It's playing God ad infinitum, yes? That which is playing God tries to quit playing God. That's playing God. That's why it's there. Because what happens is sometimes the parasite will be claiming to be the one that's doing the surrendering. And then it's like the kid in the park where he has the candy. He gives it to the little kid. says, don't ever give it back to me. Then he comes over, give it back to me. Because it's the bigger God. This is what it does. So people, oh, I, I, I took it back. Then I surrendered. I took it back. That's not it. This is a sober assessment, and you, are, you become convinced that you're not managerial quality, and you submit yourself to be directed and changed, and so shall you be. Yeah? We've been changing all our freaking life. But what AA does, it directs change. And directed change by this wisdom is growth, yeah? And so we grow into the sunlight of the spirit. So I'm not a good director, but I'm very well directed, yeah? I'm not meant to lead, but I'm very well led right now, yeah? yeah. So to me, that's what the fourth step is. And a lot of people have a lot of different angles. I just want to emphasize this. And it says here, right there, it says we want to see how self has defeated us. And if you can keep calling self you, then what's the us? Yeah. So to me, self is a foreign installment. Alcohol is a foreign installment that has convinced us that it's us. And it totally, totally minimizes the freedom that's available, obviously. Yeah? To the point where the problem will maybe every once in a while will not exist for you, but when it stabilizes, the problem does not exist as you. That's when there's real freaking freedom available. Yes? Yes. Then you can re recognize thoughts and what you call alcoholics, thoughts is not yours. Yeah. We have, yeah, so. That's all, I just wanted to get, you know, I just see, to me, relief is the authentication of things. When you get stabilized relief, you're on to something, that's all, yes? And I do not see that if, if our daily reprieve is, is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, then I would think the highest form of maintenance would to see yourself as a spiritual condition. Yeah? Yeah? When you see what you're not, you'll find out what you are. When you see you're not that, you'll find out your spirit. Yes? And to me, being spirit is the highest form of maintaining spirit. Being it, not doing it, this and that. Yes? Yes. So there's a lot of maintenance that the physical, the action figure needs, yeah? 
But I'll tell you something. You know, AA's the God rails, the G-O-D rails. They've kept me on the straight and narrow. Now I don't need any observation. I'm not burning people's houses down. I'm not trying to figure out how to break into room 62. You know, I'm not going to steal the money in the basket. I don't need to be observed at all, pretty much all day. I can be like a free-range alcoholic, basically. Yes? <laughs> So this is a possibility. And the fourth step is when you start, you know, the fourth step is really the first big wave of recovery is when you see your role in things. And hopefully when you see, this is the beautiful thing of AA for me. Most of my life, I was trying to make a lot of shit I thought was real unreal, you know, completely. And then suddenly I get into recovery and it suddenly is allowed to land on me and it be as real as it wanted to be. And then I saw it as unreal, yeah? And I realized my trying to make it unreal gave it the biggest reality you ever had, yeah? So now, yes, I take care of, I know how to do a fourth step. I have a sponsor, I do all that. But the beautiful thing about tools is not having to use them that much. I believe this program is about freedom, not about managing a fucking chronic condition. I don't believe so. I do not believe you have to live like it's a chronic condition a day at a time. I do not believe so. I believe you can live as if you've been free from it. Yeah? Yeah. And then when the shit shows up, then you have all the skillful means. But again, I don't want to be a master of fucking holes and find myself in holes. I just want to avoid the holes. Yeah. So one of the ways, so to me, this really worked for me since nine years sober. And now I'm 31 years sober. And it's led to less and less inventory taking. <laughs> Seriously. And to me, that I think is the whole, the whole, <laughs> man, I just, you know, recovery progresses also. Just like the disease progresses, recovery progresses. Yeah. If you're a year in or two years in, it's not going to be that way that it seems to be. AA is not going to look like it does when you're a year in, in 20 years. It's not. Yeah. I mean, this thing delivers the goods and you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind and no serenity and understand peace. These will become intimate senses in you. Yeah. Yes. Intimate. Intimate. And it's so beautiful because you can't write yourself into the story as causing it. You see that you're an effect of it, yes? That you have absolutely nothing to do with it. That's why all the talks, ever since I was giving these talks when I was younger in AA, these ones, I remember Charlie, number of these people, some of them would come. I did so many talks, and so let's say 16 years of Monday nights, that's 52 Monday nights, 16, that's like 600. Monday nights. Now in those 600 Monday nights, right before the talk, I had sinus infections. Sometimes I was waiting to hear if I had AIDS. My fairy princess had just broken up with me. I realized I have no money. I'm getting kicked out of my house. It didn't matter what my condition was in. This thing, this water would come through the hose. And I'm a real believer is you don't have to have it to give it away. You give it away and that's how you have it to me. Yeah, because I've heard some incredible shit from people who have no spiritual condition, but they're willing with sincerity to be a hose and this water comes through. And for watching it all these Monday nights and seeing that I had absolutely nothing to do with it, it didn't matter if I felt great or not, it would come through. Then it was such a beautiful, because 
the whole purpose of a hose is for that water to move through. Yeah? It's very clear it's not the water. But, the, but in that clarity, the water is allowed to move through. And that's the joy of it. Yeah? The joy of spirit is its animation. Not knowing it or trying to have it or doing yourself into it, but having it activated, sensing it, feeling it like alive, a sense feltness. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just juiced up about it. I just, there is so much relief available. There really is. And I just, you know, I, where I go to talks now, it's, we always, it's, the main target is the newcomer. But every once in a while, you got to say something. Hey, man. <laughs> there's a lot there's a there's a lot in store for you yeah it's doesn't it's not like trudging constantly that was a word they used in the 30s it's more like skipping or like leisurely walking because your pursuit of, your pursuit of happiness isn't going to have that much meaning if you're content and satisfied yes if you are a sense of contentment you're not going to be seeking and be driven as much as you think you are now yeah, you'll be able to abide in that, yes? And you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll be able to enjoy it, yeah? Because the mental state is of time, and even if you feel peace now and you're addicted to mental state, it will tell you you may not have it tomorrow. There's no ability to enjoy peace of mind, yes? The spirit is not of time. The God of time is the self, yeah? It thrives in the past and the future. So, yeah. Any questions on the fourth step? <laughs> this is all false advertising. We could go over it, but if, yeah, if you're interested in learning, Joe and Charlie's stuff is great on the internet. You know, because when I hear people, they have 392 pages. To me, that's obsession with self, really. I mean, it says... You know, just see the patterns. I don't go over every one night stand, 351. I said because the same drive of every one night stand was trying to get self-esteem through sex, basically. So I'm clear on that, yes? And it can be brief. It can be a few hours, not like a opus, you know? Yeah. Because this thing is, I see, I've worked with people, and I'd have to tell them to stop doing inventories and fucking enjoy sobriety. Yeah, because I think, really, it can become, there's a fine line uh, between self-obsession and investigating self. I really do. And I think a lot of investigations of self turn into self-obsession. Yeah, I do. And it, this is about freedom. It's not about fucking meticulously watching every motive. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes. Hi, I'm Anne. I'm Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you. Um, I think my brain's kind of exploded on some of that, so it'll take me a while to process. But do you have any suggestions for those of us who are listening to a fourth step that someone giving you as a sponsor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, holding the space and also make sure there's the higher powers included. Yes, it's not you and them, it's a triangle. It's the higher power, you and them. And holding this space, and then when you see the patterns of how self-defeated them, and they may not be seeing it, you can point them out to it, them. Because that's what the fourth step, and the, the understanding of the fourth step is really the illumination of six and seven. 
If you stay sober, the biggest working steps as you stay sober are six and seven, because more gets revealed, you see more of what you're not. Yes? Yeah? And therefore, it's illuminated. It's sort of, instead of realizing you shouldn't have bought the house after you bought the house, you start seeing the blueprint, and then you can say, I just don't want to move into that house. It's much easier to get out of it on the blueprint stage. So to me, six and seven is the constant recognizing what you're not. Let's say that, you know, that jealousy arising, whatever. I hear, I use it a lot in meetings. Yeah, people are sharing, and it's our alcoholism. So they say something, and it hits me, and I immediately go, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this removed because it's coming right out of the oven right now. I don't want it to be like a forensic unit, you know? I want to catch the selfing. I want to catch the parasite. So here I go, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this removed, and I humbly ask that power to remove it, because this isn't a self-managing program. It's a reliance on a higher power. So I recognize it, I see something, and then I ask that power to remove it. I don't go out, and the thing is, if you've been in AA, this faith must be there, you don't sit like waiting to see if the garbage man's come. You put the garbage out. You're not looking through the windshield. Are they going to come? You expect them to come every Thursday morning, and then they're, you wake up Thursday morning, and it's gone. That, to me, is faith in the higher power. Yeah? So, you do, so to me, the fourth step is to illuminate the patterns of how that person has been defeated so they can recognize it themselves. Yeah? But then, basically, it's holding space. And then ask them, too, the idea of taking advantage of that time and putting out a secret, you know, something that maybe they never wanted to share with another person, I think is a really good opportunity. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes? Uh, this is something I experienced recently. A newcomer texted me and she said, hey, quick question, how do I do a fourth step? <laughs> Oh, well, just take, go right to the pages, 64, and it explains it there. But if you need help, just go to Joe and Charlie. They do a simple four-column thing. So basically, the fourth step is four columns, yes? So the first column is you look at principles, people, institutions. And the first one is resentment. And resentment is like a re-feeling, yes? So something happens now, and it causes a re-feeling of a past slight, yes? So a resentment. So the first, there's three inventories. There's resentment, fear, and then uh, we look at our sexual behavior to see how we're willing to harm people in the pursuit of what we want, yeah? And so, and you can present it as four columns, and the first column is, let's say, Wendy. Yeah, I resent Wendy, yeah? And then the second column would be, why? Well, she's left me. Okay, then the third column is what part of, uh, what part of this social, in what part of the instinctual agenda has been affected by Wendy leaving? So we look at it, how it affected my self-esteem, my pride, my social position, my material security, my emotional security, my sexual security, and my sex and my ambitions concerning that stuff, right? So I see, wow, Wendy leaving hurt my self-esteem because I thought I was a ladies' man, and that seems not to prove the case when she splits, yeah? My pride has been hurt. What the hell? She went with somebody else. It's affected my standing with her friends, yeah? And then I go, okay, how did it, did it affect my emotional security? Yes. 
My, and it affect my material security? Yes, Wendy's rich. I like driving a BMW. I gotta go back to the Pinto now, shit like that. And then so I write that there and then I go, oh, look at my sexual thing. Yeah, I'm gonna miss having sex with Wendy and with the maid, you know, miss having sex with the maid. And so basically, Wendy leaving has affected my agenda, yes, which the parasite is sitting on. Seriously, not you. Yeah. You'll find out what you want and need. This thing thinks it knows what you want and need. Yeah. So it's sitting there. All right. So then you see then, wow, this, my agenda got affected quite a lot. And then you go to, so that's the third column. Then you go to the fourth column. And basically at the third column, you look at Wendy and you say, perhaps she's sick also, yes? And she didn't do this to hurt me. She's just trying to upgrade her life and stuff like that, yeah? So then I go to the fourth column and there's the four questions. Where was I? And I like to use am I? Because the resentment may have been in the past, but your head's using it now. So where was I and am I selfish? Where's was I and am I self-seeking or frightened? Where was I and am I uh, inconsiderate and dishonest? And you'll see, basically, really, it's just self-seeking and frightened and selfish. And dishonesty and consideration are behaviors that come from there. So then I write that stuff down, and now I've done a fourth column inventory. I took one person's name, took them all the way down. Now I have the formula. I can do 8,000 of them. All you need to do is have the four columns and know what they mean. And then what will happen is the light, see everyone drinking today in Maui at a bar does the first two columns. They know who they're mad at and why, but it just leads to another fucking drink. What AA does is bring us and brings us to the point of seeing our role in things. This is the first big wave of recovery is when the alcoholic suddenly finally sees his role in his own life. Yeah, because the whole system has been denying denying it incredibly and blaming and da 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 da. Once you see that, that's the beginning of real recovery in my view, is seeing your role in things. Yeah? So the fourth step is how that happens. So you see the, the spotlight goes off of Wendy and goes on, well, did I make a decision based on self that led me into this position to be hurt? Yeah, because in fact, I don't even really like Wendy. Yeah, but I like her BMW and I like her maid. Yeah, so I can see I'm fucking dishonest and I'm selfish, but I'm self-seeking and frightened. I'm afraid I'm not going to be taken care of, so I want to hold on to her because she's taking care of me. So I have no faith in that higher power. I have complete faith in my thought system, which is the bondage of self. The problem resides in the mind. It's in the thought system. Where else is it? The problem talks to you as you. You're not gonna train a parasite. It's not gonna become a service animal. You're not gonna domesticate it. It's not gonna be your friend. It's a parasite. It's like the old story about the lady saves a snake and you know feeds it with an eyedropper and gets a little down comforter for it. And after a few days, it comes back to life and it, she's walking with it and the snake bites her. And she, he goes, she's, a, she's totally surprised. She goes, Mr. Snake, why did you bite me? And he goes, I'm a snake. <laughs> what is a parasite gonna do to the host but to take over the host? It wants a life. Yeah, alcoholism can't drive to the store. 
It can't. It doesn't have a mouth. It's fuel. It has to get you to deliver its fuel. It wants fucking alcohol and drugs and drama and to be right and all and a sense of specialness, whatever it is. And it doesn't can't it has to get to you. And a thought is just a thought until it informs itself as an action. Then you're in jail. Yeah? I could be with a girl and think of I hate her like fifty times in seven years, but I never say it, so it's not everything goes well. But one night I go, you know, I fucking hate you. And then I go out and drink and I forget about it, but she doesn't forget about it. And all her friends don't forget about it because she's called everybody we know. And now you said you hated fucking years. Yeah? So that one thought, we could have just gone, found, found relevance, produced an effect. I got run over, my 1980, I got run over twice by the same car, which is incredibly hard to do. Yeah? I was home, safely home, freezing cold night in Long Island, January 30th. I had been to the bar and I'd only seen one waitress and a bartender who I knew, so he gave me a quaalude. I had a couple shots of Grand Meunier. It was obviously nothing was going on this Sunday night. I drove back to my sister's house. My head started advertised. Hey, a big party is erupting back there. I'm going to miss out. The irritability restlessness got me back in my car, drove to that bar, never made it across the street. Last thing I remember was closing the door. Yeah. Then along, I don't know how long, I came to, I was horizontal. My nose looked huge. I could see it. My mouth was super dry. And I was looking out the, and there was a doorway and my sister-in-law was there. And by the look in her face, I knew I was screwed. And I'd been run over twice. The guy hit me, didn't know what he hit, so he backed up over me. <laughs> yeah, drunk guy. And I was drunk. And unbelievable. This is what happens. That irritability, restlessness, and discontent may not only drive you crazy, it may drive you to fucking jail. It may drive you to be incapacitated the rest of your life. It may drive you a lot of freaking places. And if it hasn't yet, it may. Yes? Because it does progress and it gets more and more and more brazen. The more and more and more it realizes you have a fucking clue what's going on. It can't believe it's getting away with your life. It really can't. Yeah? You'll know the problem from the solution. Yeah. If you get long-lasting relief that stabilizes, where it has a minimum amount of your effort and thought involved in it, you're on to something. Yes? Yeah. So let's, and then it says in our book, to get to the exact nature of the wrong, I don't, what do you think is the root of the problem? I think it's being identified as the parasite. That's what I think. That's what I see. I see it constantly. I see people at meetings go, I can't believe everyone thinks like me. Everyone feels like me. Everyone does similar things like me. And I go, and, and, and? How could they be your thoughts if everyone in this room has them? They're not your thoughts. They're alcoholic thoughts. The alcoholism is the act of calling alcoholic thoughts your thoughts. That's the bondage of self. And we have a constant demonstration of it. You think like me. You, you act like me. How could they be mine? It happened to me, I came in AA, big thick shell of terminal uniqueness. I mean, no one can understand me. 
No one did what I did. No one thinks like I do. No one feels unbelievable. And then I listened for three months and I came to two conclusions. How did these people get my thoughts or they're not my thoughts? We're, we have a, farm, a foreign thought system running our life. And our thought system is infected with alcoholism. That's why I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over because the same parasite took me over. And I know what it's like to live under its yoke. And I know there's a freedom from it, but not as it. You want radical relief? Yeah. Radical relief is, looks completely ordinary. Completely ordinary. There's no heroic leap off of a cliff. You're just awake to being awake. Yeah? Yeah. So. Any more questions? Yes? Uh, Adam. Adam. Uh, so I really like, uh, I've listened to you once before. I really thank you so much. Uh, glad that you're here. Yes, it's nice to see you. You're still sober. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 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 Um, five months. Um, I have a friend in the program, and this person uh, I hang out with and I, I give support to. Um, and, and I feel like uh, I don't, I can't give any advice or anything pertaining to the subject of like depression or like um, shitty thinking and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, mainly because this person doesn't want to be fixed, like don't try and fix me, don't yeah. try and do this. And, and I really wish I could, like because I don't try to based on this, because whenever I have tried to, it's just like, you're, you're, you're basically murdering them. This person says I'm basically like murdering them, like they're going to commit suicide because I'm trying to fix them, but that's just how they are. And I don't know what to say or give any advice to change this person's mind about it. Well, you already know your answer move on okay yeah this is the whole point like it says in the book you know if someone's not willing or available like my friend in back where I live says if someone's ready you can't say anything wrong if someone's not ready you can't say anything right so just move on to someone who's ready seriously yeah because not only that that energy will not just it will suck yeah it's kind of like a, like a whirlpool type of juice. You know, look at how powerful alcoholics are. So many Thanksgiving, so many Thanksgivings, the biggest, most dominant person's not even there. It's the alcoholic that all the, all the cousins and the families are talking about. Alcoholism fucking sucks energy. Yes, we have a whole program around how to live without getting sucked into that dark black hole of a, an active alcoholic or an addict, yes? It's just the way it is. It's not personal. It's just sucking juice. Yeah? Yeah, so move on, seriously. My name is Michael yeah. Johnson, and I will always be an alcoholic. And thanks to all those people like you, um, it's okay to be an alcoholic. I finally realized <laughs> I've accepted the things I have to maintain. And my alcoholism has drove me into a wheelchair and took away my ability to physically like take care of myself. And 
topic I was just trying to say, see there's a lot of ways you can present the inventory. I was just emphasizing one, which is looking at how self has defeated us by watching, by seeing its manifestations in our life with the points that maybe by seeing its manifestations it would intimate the source, yeah? yeah. Because obviously, yes, uh, yeah. yes. talk to these two here from Al-Anon yes? in a sense but no seriously because it's about taking care of you he has his little higher power and you know I'm a real believer in, in at times we do people a disservice by trying to keep them from their bottom it's a necessary point I mean if there was a hundred people that knew me none of them would have voted that I was going to make it yeah and I remember when I was out there, I lost respect for people who kept trying to help me. 
really. I thought they were idiots, seriously. I need a big boot up my ass, really. And you know, and the alcoholic, it's not him, but the alcoholic mind can take advantage of a lot of situations. <laughs> yeah, they can, it, they can play you pretty well. And don't take it because it's a small body. It's not advanced, it's advanced, yeah, 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 so, yeah, so, yeah, but you have to see your role in that, yes, like what is, yeah, you know, yeah, yes, yep. I'm Jack, my great wild mom from Los Angeles. Hey, Jack. I thought you were funny to me, but my beautiful wife is 30 years sober, and it's awesome. Uh, as, a, as a person who takes people through the work, and you, you, you talked a little bit about it, and using your description of the parasite, my experience is the parasite effectively blocks the ability of almost anybody I've ever worked with to properly do a complete fourth column of the inventory without some outside help. The parasite is really good at rationalization and justification. And as a sponsor, I've learned to accommodate them. I just wondered if you could talk about that from a, from a sponsor point of view well the thing is more will be revealed also yeah so sometimes it's maybe it's just the first view of their role in things yeah but that first view seeds a lot more views you know what I mean yeah so I see my feeling is I just have faith in, in uh, what we call the higher power you know, I just know, uh, you know, I have my little role, but I am a minor player. It's the power, yes? I don't think the steps are getting people sober. It's the higher power through the steps that get people sober. If there wasn't the higher power, it'd be self-management, yeah, to me. It's, but it's not. It's a dependence on a higher power program, yes? So I, uh... Yeah, so, you know, people are at whatever level there are, but the importance is the willingness, yeah? Yes? Just like it says right near there, it says, you know, being willing to go to any length. Have you ever really been called to any great length by AA? No, not so ever. Any length can be no length. The value is the willingness, yeah? And the willingness, if that's there, there'll be more understanding coming down the road, yes? In my view. If you stay under the effect of the program, more will get revealed, yeah? I mean, I did a fourth step with a sponsor. I didn't, it didn't connect to the fourth column. Then I went to Joe and Charlie's. It was funny, I saw some, I was going to a meeting, I was only like five months sober in San Francisco, and I saw these two people, they looked pretty bright, and they both shared that they had been at this seminar in Sacramento, California, led by these guys, Joe and Charlie. And then there was no other information. It was just gone, but it, it was cataloged up there. And a few months later, our secretary said, oh, I have an application for Joe and Charlie's Big Book Seminar. I went right up there and got that application, signed it, and I went. And there was 600 people there that were enthusiastic about sobriety. And I think on Saturday morning, they went into the fourth step, and I understood my role in things. And I understood that, hey, people will step on your toes, but you'll invariably find that you made a decision based on self, based on self, that puts you in a position to be hurt. Not your decision. I don't, yeah. My point is, you know, I am not a, uh, 
a universal fucking expert on the book. What I want is freedom from something, yeah? And I believe we have to see this idea as something foreign to you because if you call it you, you can't be free from it. The mental process can't entertain the idea of being, it can only entertain being free as it, which is a form of bondage. I speak at other groups. I speak at a lot of spiritual groups, Zen, non-duality, and they're in an addiction themselves. They're in a spiritual addiction. Yeah? You, and there, there's not going to be an intervention for them. They can go to 500 retreats. They can read 800 books. No one's going to come and say, hey, you've had enough. They're, we're lucky. At least someone will put a stop to us. But <laughs> the spiritual addiction is rampant. Fucking rampant. Yes? Because it's still the identification as what you're not trying to get somewhere. Yeah? That to me is the point I want to bring to AA. Everyone, there's so many people much better addressing so many things about AA, the nuts and bolts, but I want to bring this spirit because I humbly believe by my own observation and effects that the root of the problem is the act of being identified as what you're not. And it's an activity the mental state is doing, and as it says in the book, the problem resides in the mind, and the mental state is the thought system, the memories, the perceptions. You see yourself as a thing. You do not see yourself as spirit. There's just no way. When you remember you in the past, you're seen as a body. When you're worrying about you in your future, it's as a body. Yeah? It's very difficult for a body to maintain a spiritual condition. But if you see you may not be a body, therefore you are a spiritual condition, that's a high form of maintenance. Yeah? So this is just a simple correction. It doesn't mean you don't smell like a body, you don't act like a body, you don't quack like a body. Everyone else sees you as a body. But now what's supreme is spirit. Spirit, then body. Not body trying to become spiritual, but spirit and then body. Yeah? Water hose. Not the hose arriving at the water and saying, I'm the one who's the water. No. The hose knowing it's a hose and then feeling the sense of the water. Yes? And, be and the water becoming more dominant than the hose. Yes? Yes. So spirituality doesn't, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a viper's nest of addiction. I go to so many spiritual groups, and I mean people 40 years of practicing, practicing, practicing. Yes? You're not going to find what you're not. You're not going to find what you are as what you're not. When you see what you're not, you'll find out what you are. And what you've been looking for is what's looking, like St. Francis says. Right now, what's looking is what you're looking for. Not who's looking, what's looking. The spirit is looking out of us. That's what we're looking for. But we're looking for it as us. Yeah? We're looking for it as not the spirit. We're trying to become a spirit when we are a spirit. What happens when a spirit is, tries to become a spirit? It verifies it's not a spirit. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rest my case. Thank you. Thank you.
that's when a mental state develops, and then it organizes this whole thing in itself. But then alcoholism is an extreme version of it, so it amplifies it. Yeah? So it brings to a point where it's, easy, it's more easily seen, but not by the one who's suffering, but by others around. I mean, you can see this person's fun, but they can't see it. Yeah, because the parasites sort of got a shield. But the selfie is an activity. Yeah, that's how I see it. So it's Everything is action. See, the idea of self, though, see, I don't think, see, the ego, if you look at when people talk about ego, they say, I have an ego, or I want to lose an ego. What is it? I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah, it's out there. It's behind there. Out there. But let's get the books. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll see you around. Yeah. I This is my house. Hi, nice to meet you. Oh, hi, girl. Nice to meet you. I'm Ann. And yes, I wrote it down there. Hey Michael, thanks for your share. Fantastic, bro. I would appreciate if we could exchange phone numbers. All right, yes, definitely.
actually transcribe and then edit it. Hot choker, yeah. Just the universe manifesting itself in a central system of the human at the moment. Yeah. Like, I got it then. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what you're saying. Like, you know, that's what I'm kind of cruising in right now. You're like a car.